Drive All Night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, please visit patreon.com slash songsoftoriamus. There you'll learn what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash songsoftoriamus to help us continue to make high quality and Torytainment for you. Hey everybody, you're listening to Drive All Night, the songs of Tori Amos. We are your hosts, I'm Ephraim Jr. And I'm David Anderson. And on today's episode, we're talking about Blue Skies, a collaboration with BT, featured on his album, Ima. Well, my friend BT called me up and he goes, um, Tori, I have this track and just do whatever you want. So it was during a soundtrack a few months ago and we were running late and, you know, the union guys were standing around huffing and puffing and, and, uh, frowning and you know just being sure all together uncheerful right and so i put my headphones on and i started listening to the track and it was so depressing i just sort of made up this thing blue sky in my head and i just started singing and i kind of you know finished the thing and i went well that sucked and i said (laughs) brian look i really tried but i don't think it's any good and he calls me back he goes i really like this tour so i said well knock yourself out and how, how can you buy this? It's on his album? Or oh, is yeah, it just a single? Or? No, this is coming out on BT's album. On BT's album. He's, right. And he's a lovely person. David. Hi, Eve. How's it going? Pretty good. Glad to hear it. I'm feeling optimistic. Are you really? In honor of this song. Do you feel that blue skies are up ahead? I do. I'm choosing to feel that way. Good. Unlike my usual sad sack self we're all familiar (laughs) with. I've been meaning to say. I know. You didn't have to. I can see it in your eyes. Blue skies are a choice. It's David. (laughs) They certainly were a choice for BT and Tori Amos. Yeah. At least BT. Yeah. (laughs) And just look to the title of BT's album on which the song is featured. I'm a... I'm a fill in the blank. You can choose whatever yeah. you want. And today I choose to say, I'm a feeling optimistic. I'm a feeling good. I'm a feeling good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That makes me happy. I live to make you happy. I. It's a constant struggle. Finally, someone does. <laughs> Unless it's pronounced Emma. I feel like it might be. Pro- I don't know. You know, like when you write, when you see the word Ibiza, but it's pronounced Ibiza. And like you determine what level of gay you are by how you pronounce that word. Is like, gayer lispier like Ibiza? No, like Ibiza, then you're like a cool gay, but Ibiza, then you're just totally out of the loop. Right. As I've discovered back in my youth. How many conversations have you had involving the word Ibiza where you mispronounced it? One, but it's haunted me for decades. I've had exactly zero. Well, now you've had one. Now I've had two. (laughs) That's why, this is why I don't travel. (laughs) So Ima, BT's album Ima. Ima what? Bitch. I'm a mother. (laughs) I'm a child. I'm a mother. I don't know. <laughs> He'll stitch this together and make sense of it. Just like Blue Skies, exactly. right? Okay. We're going to do a remix. How have you been? 
Again, we're in this non-Pele, non-choir girl place. I like it. It feels, I don't know, ripe with potential. Everybody tuned in today thinking that we're going to get Spark. <laughs> I don't think they did. We No, we got a review on our iTunes. First of all, if you have not yet reviewed our show on iTunes, pause right now. Head over to iTunes, type in Tori Amos, find Drive All Night, and then leave us a review. Five stars, <laughs> please. It helps us to get higher on the list. Let's emphasize that and point out that when you type in Tori Amos under a podcast search, we're not the first thing that pops up. But we're so. no longer the fifth thing. Oh, well, that's good. Are we're we, did we move up to number thing. four yeah. with a bullet? Yes. We huh. edged out one of NPR's podcasts oh, well. that featured Tori one time. It only took four years. I know. It's because they've got like millions of subscribers, whatever. It's fine. But head over and review us right now and you'll see that Pandora's Aquarium said, you cock teases. I love your show, but I feel like you've been cock teasing me with Spark for months or whatever she said. And I think that's true. She said, I feel like you've been cock teasing me with sparks since twinkle hang on i'm gonna cross my legs coquettishly just like tori when she starts leather after being referred to as a cock tease i like it <laughs> i never in my life but i'll own it my thought is that pandora's aquarium willfully forgot the 400 b-sides that came off of boys for pele literally 400 so that's not our fault sorry pandora <laughs> well i've been well thank you for asking <laughs> i'm glad tell me about it you know life so let's talk about Blue Skies. Okay. When was the first time you heard the song? Or what is your earliest memory of it? My earliest memory of the song is hearing it in Boulder while we were there for the last shows. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, I don't know, we should get Shaggy on the phone or at least text him. I don't remember why that was when we heard it for the first time, other than that was back in the day when things weren't streaming or easily accessible. And maybe like no one had just been able to track down the album or the single because it came out a little before those final shows. Just like a couple days though. Okay. So we were there and we we found a record store in Boulder and bought it and listen to it for the first time. The single or the album? It was the album. Yeah, I couldn't find the single. I didn't find the single for years after. So I had to buy the album. Did you buy it when it first came out too? Yeah, absolutely. I don't even know how I heard about it. Maybe I feel like it was uh, on the dent. It must have been, yeah. Yeah, because I knew that it was, I went to go get it. Yeah, and it was a double disc. It was actually originally going to be on BT. It was going to be like a lead single for his next album. Stilla. Yura. Yeah. But they went ahead and re-released it as they redid that first album again with a second disc. Again, we're mirroring BT and Tori's careers here. We keep doing things over too. Why not? Uh, well, hey, I mean, soon we'll have all our episodes pitch perfect uh. and then we won't have to redo anything. <laughs> all right. Fingers crossed. But yeah. So what were your impressions? You know, even back then, I like was a Tory purist. I mm. wanted Tory's. I can see where this is going. Solo work. So I wasn't necessarily that excited about a collaboration, especially like a club electronica collaboration. So I think that's probably why I maybe hadn't put any effort into ordering the album or figuring out how to get it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I'll just fake it. I'll just get it when I'm with my friends in Boulder and pretend I like it. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> We'd had Professional Widow, so she'd already dipped her toes into those clubby waters, mm -hmm. haven't we all? Mm -hmm. And I think this is such an interesting era for these club collaborations to have emerged from, because she's never been more acoustic or more indigestible, less mainstream, and now we have all these remixes. It's yeah. so funny. And Which that I've... obviously paved the way for Choir Girl, too. Like, I'm sure she was inspired by this. Mm -hmm. 
I'm planning to argue through the episode that this is one of her most pivotal moments in her early career in the 90s for her, even more so than Professional Widow, because Professional Widow, I agree with you, she, uh, Boys for Pele, that's a great word that you used, indigestible, raw, right? It's not for everybody, yet these dance tracks were born. I feel like this album resonated with so many people on just a real emotional level that people wanted to get it out there in different forms, but I also feel like that maybe was a marketing tactic at the beginning to get more like, okay, how are we going to promote this really intense album? I remember when I worked at the record store and someone came in to buy Boys for Pele because they knew the Professional Widow song and then returned Boys for Pele the same day. Of course. Yeah. I'm sure that happened many, many times. Yeah. yeah. But I loved Blue Skies from the beginning. Yeah. This was one, this was, I was about it. I was about it. This was where I was in my life. This is what I wanted in my life. I was so excited that Tori was moving in this direction. I was so excited that people were listening to her and that it was getting out there because it was a big, this was big in Las Cruces more than anything, except for maybe Professional Widow. Mm. It got radio play like it was big in Las Cruces. We've said this before, and I think throughout her career, there have been pivotal moments when Tori was in the right place at the right time. And Mm -hmm. obviously that wasn't always true, Mm -hmm. but at certain points she was. And it's crazy that this album managed to become mainstream and that she was kind of at the height of her popularity at this point, Mm -hmm. promoting this uncommercial album. And I think there was an effort to sort of leverage that success or her visibility and pair her with other artists to be Mm -hmm. like, okay, where can we take this? And I think she was respected. Aside from being commercially successful, she was really respected as an artist too and other people wanted to work with her. Yeah, I guess that's more accurate than what I said as opposed to like this was artists that wanted to remix this because of its raw emotion. No, I think that they really wanted to work with her because she was so respected and because she was a true artist. Mm -hmm. And because maybe the dance world was so different from her world, it's just because of that unique voice when you put her in a different medium or a different sort of solar system, what that can create is really intriguing. And I think that's probably why she was more open to it, too. I think she's usually more interested in collaborating with people who are totally different artists. Right. Who sound Bringing something completely different to the yeah, table. Yeah, like her, totally. I agree with that. But I loved this song. I still love this song. It's really catchy. Yeah. Love. Is this a shower song? You throw it on when you hop in the shower? Yeah, maybe. Not yeah. so much anymore, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely exists in that shower song playlist. I can kind of see it to start your morning. Like your feet hit the floor, you're lathering up. (laughs) This should be the beginning of a movie. There should be a movie where this song is the beginning and then there's like that montage, brushing teeth. All right, let's make it. All right, fine. After we do our Silent All These Years beer commercial. Blue Skies, the film. An Ephraim Jr. joint. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to get into it. But first, we should talk about our Patreon supporters. Do you want to talk about our new Patreon supporters? Yes. Okay. First, there's Stephen Sowell or Sowell. Hi, Stephen. It's either Ima Sowell or I'm a soul. We're not sure. They're both beautiful, though. Luke Hatton. Take me to Hattonfield. Some of you will understand what that means. Hello to our new Patreon supporter, Bradley Storer. I'm moving, Eve. I got some stuff. I got a store. We got Marianne Donna Rama. Jumped up at the $10 level. They said Marianne Donna Rama, and I said, not a chance. Jillian Rappel jumped up from the $5 level to the $10 level. Hello, Jillian. 
one bad rapple can spoil the whole bunch. Not in this case. A rapple a day keeps the doctor away. I like that one better. Hi, Jillian. And then we have Ian Casey, who you heard on the winter episode. He jumped in at the $5 level and then jumped right up to the $10 level. Oh my gosh. Ian Casey also designs incredible t-shirts. He designed that Heart of Gold t-shirt that I gave you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did not know who the artist was. I thought it was an unsigned piece of work. No, that was Ian David Casey. Mm. He and I have been having trouble because he sent me that Heart of Gold shirt and it didn't come. I don't know why. It just didn't come to my house. And then he had to send another one. And then to apologize, he sent me a Scarlet's Walk shirt, which I told, I said no apology necessary. Like, it's fine. And then he said, he was like, no. And then he sent me a shirt that still hasn't arrived. I think they keep getting stolen by postal workers who are fishing (laughs) through your packages and they're like, finally, the heart of gold shirt of my dreams. (laughs) Oh my God, there's a Scarlet's Walk t-shirt I don't have. (laughs) Thank you, Ian, for everything that you do. And thank you for your wonderfully touching story on the winter episode. If you didn't hear it, head back to our winter episode. And he tells this wonderfully touching story about his dad and winter. Ian Casey, we love your beautiful facey. Oh, that's nice. Shall we talk about our guests on today's episode? Hit me. We have so many guests. Uh, we have a sky full of guests. Oh. You ready for this? We have super fan. We're going to be talking to super fans. More than one. Koi Berry, who emailed us and, said, and insisted he be on this episode. I love a Koi Berry. I don't like a bold berry. I, don't like, yeah. I like a Koi Berry. I don't like my berries to be too assertive. David, this is the guest portion where we don't riff on their names. Oh, all right. We also have frequent guest and friend of the show, Alexander Leger Small. Hey. We love having Alexander Leger Small on. I'm going to be seeking his forgiveness because I haven't sent his gift yet that he won on Wait, Wait, Don't Tour Me. Uh, How are we going to fit all of those interviews in with a live section? We have room. Luckily, there's no live section. It's not a full flight. And just to clear up any confusion, we actually did reach out to BT. Of course we did to get an interview. And he wrote me back. We reached out months ago. And then right before this episode was supposed to come out, he sent me an email saying, I would love to do this interview. So I was like, oh, great. Let's schedule it. And I wrote him right back. And I said, when can we do it? Here's my availability. Let me know when yours is and let's make it work. And never a peep again. So if that happens in the future, if he finally gets back to me and we do the interview, of course, we'll do it on, you know, we'll add it in. We'll add it in somewhere. We'll put it on the Drive All Night Plus or whatever, but it'll come. Of course, we need to say thank you to Shay Stymack, who researched this episode. Her document is going to get us through. I'm always surprised at how much content she can pull into these research documents. I know. It's like Indiana Jones's Grail Diary. Guides us through the episode, one puzzle at a time. Don't know what you're talking about, but I agree. <laughs> Are you ready, David? Get ready for liftoff. I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, we're ready to soar into the blue skies. Three, two, one. <laughs>
Welcome back, David. Thank you. What did you think of that wonderful acapella cover of Blue Skies? Unexpected. That was sent to us by Amber Rose years ago. And I've just been waiting to get to this episode to play it. It was worth it. Thanks, Amber. Thanks, Amber. We love it. I think, you know, normally the acapella stuff is hit or miss for me, but that one was really cool. I liked it too. Yeah. How's your break? Restful. Restful? Yeah. Get some shut eye? I, I need it. I need my beauty sleep. My break was fine too. Thanks for asking, world. You know, the more you respond that way, the less I'm going to ask you how you're doing. You can't ask less than never. <laughs> So let's talk about the history of Blue Skies. All right. This is Act Two, History in Quotes. You never asked me about my history, but fine. (laughs) This is History in Quotes, Act Two. From the wiki page, Blue Skies is a song by American electronica artist BT with feature vocals by Tori Amos. Released as a single in the United Kingdom in October 1996, it hit number one on the United States Hot Dance Musical Club Play Chart in January 97. Blue Skies also appears on the Party of Five soundtrack. Many versions of the song exist. So Blue Skies was released in the UK on October 28, 1996, and in the US on November 4th, 1996. It was also released on December 2nd in Australia. Sure takes you back, huh? It does. I love that there were releases from this era throughout the entire year, even squeezing at the tail end here. Yeah. Yeah, we got one more. Another one. Blue Skies appears on BT's album, Ima, as we talked about. The re-release, the double CD re-release in October 96. There's also a Blue Skies CD single, part one and two, released in 1996. You want to read the track listing from CD one? The track list was as follows. Radio Edit, Delphinium Days, Paul Van Dyke's Erinern Indigo Mix, Paul Van Dyke's Blauer Himmel Mix, Robbers of Antiquity Alien Disco Mix, rolls right off the tongue. Blauer Himmel is German for blue skies. Oh. Blauer Himmel. That's clever. Well, bluer skies, actually. Oh. Blauer. You speak German? I did take German in high school for four years. For vier Jahren. Mm. Ask me if I took German. Did you take German? No, Dutch. (laughs) The track list from the CD single Part 2 had the radio edit as well, track 1. Track 2 was Rabbit in the Moon's Fathomless Mix. Track 3, the Deep Dish Blue Funk Mix, which has nothing to do with Deep Dish on Ani DeFranco's album Lil Plastic Castle. Track 4 was the Deep Dish Blue Funk Dub. And track 5 was BT's Liquid Oxygen Dub. God, there were so many dubs and mixes. I know. What was your favorite? I could tell you what my favorite was. All right. Rabbit in the Moon's Fathomless Mix. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I just love Rabbit in the Moon. Everyone knows that. Everybody knows that about me. Yeah. If you know me, you know I love Rabbit in the Moon. I'm going with Blauer Himmel. Blauer Himmel? Just off the title? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's how I choose wine. So why not songs? <laughs> choose it like a sophisticated person, David. If off ha- a label. If it has like a supernatural reference or a ghost on it, I'll pick it. <laughs> I'll drink hey, it. Anyway, there's also a Blue Skies 12-inch vinyl single and the Party of Five soundtrack, as we discussed a few minutes ago. Did you have the Party of Five soundtrack? <laughs> no. Were you ever at a crazy time in your no. collecting fandom where you would buy anything that she was featured on (laughs) yes i mean i think i was too but apparently not because i didn't buy the party of five soundtrack i bought that one soundtrack with a thousand oceans on it was it called here to eternity no the one with oh walk in the clouds something but it had lily zobieski in it i think or some other actress oh man remember lily zobieski i do what happened to her the world only needed one helen hunt well she was a young helen hunt i guess 
Do they ever play mother and daughter? I don't think so. They should have. Maybe they will on the reboot of Mad About You. Oh, that's interesting. I miss Lily Zobieski. I wonder what happened. You want to read this quote from The Face UK in Face. October 1996? Everything is like a fucking Salvador Dali painting with Tori. Do you think he was that agitated when he says it? That's no, how I'm probably reading not. It. God, everything is like a... Is everything a fucking Salvador Dali painting is with you, Eve? fucking Salvador Dali to you, David? <laughs> everything is like a fucking Salvador Dali painting with Tori, says Brian B.T. Transow. I'm going to interrupt you there because okay. if everything was a fucking Salvador Dali painting, that'd be kind of a cool world to live in. It kind of would. Yeah, so why are you complaining about B.T.? My face would be melting. Says Brian B.T. Transow, speeding down the highway in Washington, D.C. Tori Amos and B.T. grew up in the same rural area outside Washington, the first of a series of similarities that started with them achieving childhood prodigy status at the piano and ended with them signing to the same record label. Now they're conspiratorial buddies. Brian, the trance magician, and Amos, the intense, unhinged banshee. I feel like Brian and I are married, she says intently, yet we can still have husbands and wives. Whew. Do you think that Mark feels like he's married to Brian? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> There's room for Pip and Santa. Throw Brian in there, too. Right. Might, might as well. BT, yeah. get it. But Friday night. I think there's more. Blue Skies, released this month with BT touring England later this year, is the result of Amos improvising over BT's divinity, further pushing the current creative union between the 808 and the amp. Tori gave me some fairy dust for Blue Skies, says BT, and a bit of ass, I hope, says Tori. I like ass. She's a bug girl. Just so we can all, yeah. Write that down, everybody. For future reference, Tori likes ass. And legs. Mm -hmm. Last year, Carl Craig remixed Amos's God, while Armand Van Helden's wild pitch version of Professional Widow has become a big club number. The things we've done, says BT, are more a merger of acoustic and electronic instrumentation as opposed to a remix. Tori makes important music, and these guys have translated it into their context. A friend of mine turned me on to Carl Craig, Warble's Tori. Warble's Tori. A friend of mine turned me on Carl Craig, Warble's Tori. <laughs> She'd gone fully British. It's not like they're trying to be the prince that wants to carry me off on his horse. I've got my own horse, honey, and I know how to feed her, and we know how to run. We'll keep up with you, but God, I'd love to take my clothes off and go jump in a lake together, but I want my steed afterwards. And who can argue with that? I can. Who indeed? <laughs> oh, okay. We have a yes. We have a hand down here in the front. Um, do you feel like taking your clothes off? I don't mind taking my clothes off. I do. I'm but, a never nude. <laughs> but my question is, do you think that she's playing it up because she's with BT and they're like, it feels very, this relationship reminds me of, or at least the way it's reading off the page, reminds me of the relationship she had with Michael Stipe for a minute where they were like kind of goofing with each other and like playfully bantering back and forth. Is it like an eccentric off? Yeah, kind of. I'm more eccentric. No, right. I no, am. I am. I'll take my clothes off and jump in a lake with a horse. I don't care. Um, so, yeah, an eccentric off is a great way to put it, but it still feels fun. And maybe it's echoing that in my mind because she so rarely does an interview with another person, especially another guy, because I'm thinking her interview with Alanis Morissette necessarily isn't this like eccentric or fun, but she so rarely does interviews with other people. I miss those days. I miss when she would collaborate with random weird people. Well, I'm holding out for her random weird collaboration with us. It's our note here that BT, we all know, they got their start together when he remixed Tallulah. He did the tornado mix of Tallulah. Over pasta. Over pasta, yeah. They were in a restaurant. and then... Well, the funny thing is I didn't rewrite it for Twister. I rewrote it. I didn't even know Twister existed. I wrote it because I was having linguine in a restaurant. 
and he was telling me about the web pages, the the remixer. I knew I wanted to remix it because I just it, I wanted more heat on it. Mm-hmm. And um, he said to me, "Well, there are these. Don't you know about the the websites and stuff? They're these nuts. They're everywhere. That like, for instance, people actually have a page." where they talk about chasing tornadoes and they get out in their jeeps and they talk about their experience. I said, you're kidding me. I said, no, I'm not kidding. People really go out there and do that. And I start singing. He's chasing tornadoes. I'm just waiting calmly. Chasing Now, I don't know if you have the beginning of that on your version. There are like so many versions right now. But um, I raced to a studio with this remixer and we uh, put it down she just sang he told her about the tornado chasers and then she just sang in the restaurant and everybody gasped and stopped eating and turned and she's like we got to record this right now brian and they ran out together down the streets in the rain that was vivid i could like hear the plates and glasses clinking and the restaurant falling into hushed silence (laughs) so if you want more information on that go to our Tulula episode they had worked together before and i feel like this came probably right around the same time but here, just to give context to that quote that David read from the face, let's listen to BT's Divinity. This is what Tori improvised over. So this is the track Divinity. Oh, oh, Mark, can you hear that? It sounds like a blue sky in my head. Cool, huh? Yeah. <laughs> cool. I guess you could say it was pretty cool. Cool. I mean, very 90s. It has that sort of deep foresty, new agey, ambient, electronica. Were you a club kid growing up, David? Yeah. I was in my big platforms and I I'm had... serious. Me too. I know some club kids. My friend Pete, he's a he's an old NYC club kid, like mm-hmm. really committed. And DJ Mateo Sagade, if you don't know, was an old club kid. I didn't know that. Has amazing pictures of himself in club gear, in like 90s club kid gear, if you know what I mean. My frame of reference for club kids comes from Maury Povich and Jerry Springer. What? Where they interviewed club kids back in the day. And when they, they interviewed like, Michael This Alec? is a crazy lifestyle. Right. Do you guys know about these club kids? And don't get me started on the goth kids. I'm going to tell you something scandalous and controversial. Finally. Michael Alec was my sexual awakening. So Michael Alec, party monster... When I was a kid, Michael Alec and all the club kids were on Donahue. That's Phil Donahue. They were on the Donahue show and I was home from school for the summer and I watched the show and I fell in love with Michael Alec on that show. And I was very savvy with the VCR and I was able to get the address for Donahue and I wrote him a letter, addressed it to the Phil Donahue show, mailed the letter without anybody knowing and never received a response. Don't give up. I don't want anything to do with him now. It'll show up one day unexpectedly, just like a heart of gold t-shirt. I, don't, I hope not. He's murdered people now. Oh, that's right. Can I just say that I've never been more shocked on the show 
than I was by hearing that my sexual awakening predated yours by years and years. Your sexual awakening predated mine? By years, yeah. What, what do you mean? If a club kid on Phil Donahue in the 90s was your sexual awakening, my sexual awakening was Christopher Reeve as Superman. Oh, Lord. When I was a small child. But clearly I <laughs> fell asleep immediately thereafter that awakening because I've been sexually asleep ever since. <laughs> <sighs> this is from Billboard magazine on November 2nd, 1996. Collaboration with Tori Amos hits big at Radio New York. Nearly a year after taking the UK club underground by storm with his perfecto debut, Ima, Washington, D.C. native Brian Tranzo is finally invading the mainstream musical consciousness of his homeland. He's doing it with the aid of Tori Amos and along the unlikely route of modern rock radio. Tranzo first connected with Amos earlier this year when he remixed her songs to Lula and Putting the Damage On. She offered to return the favor after hearing the UK import of the largely instrumental Ima. She really liked the song Divinity and wants to write words to it, Tranzo says. At a sound check before a gig on her recent tour, Amos began freestyling lyrics to Divinity into a tape machine. Freestyle. Freestyling. Beatboxing. Blue skies. I flipped out when I heard what she did, and I started writing new music to her words, says Tranzo. It's kind of like when Tori was cutting the visualettes, and she started writing new music to the visualettes. Right. Kind of the same thing. Adding that he began splicing and fashioning bits of her vocals into what would become the final version of the track. The repeated hook of the song is Blue Skies, and she actually sang those words together only once. Blue Skies is being added to the U.S. version of Ima in a limited edition two-disc package that includes remixes of material from the album album this is totally cool scenario to be in says tranzo i got to really dig into this process i'm making as an artist while reliving the good memories i had from making ima that's cool tori took him back tori took him back to his own album i like that she chose the track that she was i didn't realize that she chose divinity to sing over you know she looked at the track listing and chose it because it sounded like it had the most religious Mm. influence or you think material you don't think she's like, like, God, I feel it. Maybe she felt it because it was called Divinity. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I would love to hear the unspliced audio of her singing, her beatboxing, her freestyling into that tape machine, mm-hmm. into her ghetto blaster. We'll never get it. I would love to hear the uncut version of her freestyling and beatboxing into her ghetto blaster. <laughs> if you had a list of things you could ask for when you died and entered the afterlife, would that be one of them? Probably. Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. If you could like enter some sort of, I don't know, otherworldly metaphysical blockbuster. Remember blockbuster music where you could open and listen to whatever you wanted? Yeah. What if there was an after like blockbuster music and you could just like dial up any lost any or ex- buried track from buried ever. track from or ever. film or experience. Yeah. Like you could just relive your own experiences. Right. That would be amazing. Right. Like or here, you, you know, it might hurt a little bit. I would love to have a key punch where you can just dial in the date when you're at the pearly gates. Yeah, it'd like, be like Back to the Future. Yeah, like I want to see January 1st, 1991. What totally. was I doing? I don't know. I would never want to see what I was doing. Why not? Because I was Why? there the first time and it wasn't that great. I would like to go back and be like, God, I was so young and I didn't know very much. And Did you ever feel young and beautiful? No. Did you ever have a moment where you were like, this is probably like the best I'm ever going to look, <laughs> the best it's ever going to be. <laughs> I better appreciate it while it lasts. Unfortunately, no, I did not. I can't wait to peak. Yeah, I think your best days are still ahead. Thank you. Nothing but blue skies. Thank you. 
And you as well, David. Thank you. So bringing up Brian Tranzo, he's really gained in popularity. He's got a lot of Instagram followers. He does concerts all over the world as a DJ. As of now, he's in Vegas. And Should we take a trip to Vegas? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't like to go to Vegas very much. I know. Yeah, I'm not a Vegas person. Do you want to read this little quote from Addicted to Noise? Yes. This is from Addicted to Noise, January 97. Life is an inspiring place. And whether people want to admit it or not, everybody's inspired by something or someone. Who would not want to admit I that they were inspired? I don't want to admit it. I'm not inspired. <laughs> I'm not inspired by anything. You, can, you can't inspire me. Go ahead and try. I mean, thoughts don't come from me, right? If you're a thought, oh, you would I want s- me to think you. I see what she's saying. People might not want to admit that they're pulling inspiration from somewhere. Right. People might want to say that they just came up with it all on their own. Yes. I get what she's saying. Okay, keep going. (laughs) I mean, thoughts don't come from me, right? I might interpret them a certain way or put them in my own language, but no thought is anybody's. It all comes from somewhere. How you interpret it can be uniquely your approach or your vision, but concepts can't be. They're just everywhere. For example, everybody's concept of what the goddess is, is everybody's free will and right. Nobody owns that concept. How to express the goddess in your life. How to express healing. How to find pain. How to find nightmares. Everybody has their own nightmare. Joy. Joy is quite an elusive one, isn't it? I think joy is something quite scarce. Joy is probably one of the scarcest resources we have right now. Why do you think that is? I think it's just been like that. I thought that was good acting. I was in that moment. Your acting or mine? Mine. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Certainly not mine. I think it's just been like that for a few thousand years, but I think it's changing slowly, quickly, slowly, quickly. People are beginning to break the pattern and programming of domination. There's no joy in domination for either party. There's really not. There might be a distorted kind of get-offingness, but I don't know. Maybe if you can find true, pure joy in everything, then wow. And pure pain in everything, then wow. Then I think it's sort of exhilarating. But these concepts are really difficult because so many things we're talking about are so distorted, even with myself. You were talking about other people being an inspiration to you. You're an inspiration to an awful lot of people. The lot is just awful. Your people are awful. God, who painted that? You're an inspiration to an awful lot of people. Why do you think of that? That makes me really happy. That gives me loads of joy. I mean, that's just the best, isn't it? You can't harness that. You can't measure that. When you know you give people inspiration, it's like, wow, it's just the yummiest thing. How did you feel about working with BT? Originally, I thought I was singing on a 12-inch, and Brian basically said, do whatever you want. So I sang to this 12-minute whatever, and when I heard a four and a half-minute version, I sort of was surprised. And I think he did a brilliant job, because originally I sang to this really, really long thing that was quite different than what Blue Skies ended up being. But it's always interesting working with other people, because when it's not just yourself anymore, there are things that will come up that could never come up when you're working on your own, because you're dealing with someone else with their perception of things. You're dealing with their dream. You're dealing with their wants, desires, and needs, and that's fascinating. It's a real learning place. Playing by myself is much, much different from that. There are things that I've learned because of working with people that I could have never learned working by myself. That's true. She sang to Divinity, probably expected it to come out with exactly what she sang. And the shock of receiving like the FedEx package in the mail. Ooh, here's the 12 inch Divinity that I sang on. And Mm. it's a a four minute song of a, a completely different beat. That's got to be surprising. Do you think Tori ever had moments like this in her own music when she was collaborating more, particularly on like the first couple albums where there were other producers involved? 
Yeah. I'm thinking of the way she tells the story about God is like she left the room and Caton did those kind of screeching seagull guitar sounds. And her first instinct was like, you ruined my song. Yeah, what did you what do is to my song? But then she kind of came around. So mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder if there were other instances where she was like, this, what? What is this? Oh, wait, I kind of like it. Yeah, I think maybe I can point to God and then maybe different instances in other ways in collaboration, like Girl with Eric, just things evolving in that way. Maybe this was a little left field because he took her vocals, went into the studio, I'm presuming, did all the work, then gave her a copy of what he thought was going to be the final product or what was the final product. And it's like, oh, I don't have any say. And this is this is what it is. And wow. I don't want to jump ahead, but kind of like you said, we have to believe that this really inspired the experimentation on Choir Girl and where she took her sound there. And mm-hmm. just hearing this is reminding me of, there's a story she tells about Cruel where they were developing the percussion. Mm-hmm. And I think they did the programming and then had it pressed to vinyl mm-hmm. and used the vinyl as part of the song. Oh, wow. Too. So you I know who's like doing a lot of that? Mm-hmm. Was Portishead. That's exactly how Portishead worked on all of their albums, which was they would record their beats and then sample their own stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was always really fascinating to me. I didn't know that she did that. That's actually new information. (laughs) Assuming my memory is correct. I don't know anything. We'll get there. We'll revisit that on Cruel. Okay, good. Hang on, everybody. I want to say now, I think this was a very pivotal moment. I think she meets Brian. I'm assuming someone put them together to have pasta and maybe talk about a remix of Tallulah because they needed a new single, right? So this happens like think of this naturally in the progression of things so that happens they need a new single for Pele let's remix Tallulah fine and she felt like maybe the song wasn't done she said that about Tallulah she put out the album and she thought that that wasn't in its complete form so that when she did the tornado mix that felt right to her that that was the completed version and so that felt natural okay then moving on from that, that maybe inspired Johnny D. DeMiro somewhere along the way to hook her up with another artist or a- another series of artists for Professional Widow or, or hand out her album to different people who chose what they wanted to remix. And Armand Van Helden did Widow, right? Mm-hmm. Which blew up, obviously. None of that is within Tori's control or none of that was Tori's choice, right? So these remixes happened. Yes, it was her choice to release it, but you'd be foolish not to if they've already done the work. It can only bring you attention in a different genre so she'd be foolish not to release it this i think is the first time she's actively pursuing that dance music they've decided okay we're gonna do this together and it's gonna be a dance track because she knows what kind of artist he is and he working on her stuff it's different but her working on his stuff she knows what she's getting right Mm -hmm. that's why i think this is a very pivotal moment where she begins chasing that sound where she is starting to evolve towards that sound which you're right i think influences choir girl it goes further to influence Venus, I think. All the remixes from uh, Choir Girl as well. Yeah. I agree. And can I just say, I cannot hear the story of the Tornado Mix collaboration, which led to all these other things without picturing Lady and the Tramp. Oh, that's adorable. With Tori and BT over a plate of pasta, and they both have the same long noodle in their mouths and don't know it, and Tori singing, he's chasing, as the, you know, the pasta slowly pulling them waiting. close together. And then they kiss at the end. They're like, we gotta get to the studio and record this. <laughs> that's beautiful. I want an animation of that. Okay, I'll work on it. Oh my god, it. if any of our listeners out there are animators that can do Tori and BT eating pasta like Lady in the Tramp style, <laughs> please do. It would delight us very much. This is from DJ Times in February 97. From an interview with Brian Tranzo. Do you want to play the reporter? It's only fair since I got to be Tori last yeah. time. Okay. I'll be the man. Tori Amos, how did you two meet? And what led to you two collaborating on a single? 
Tori and I have a lot of mutual friends and everybody has been like, you two get on my nerves and you two have to hook up because we remind the mutual friends of each other. Finally, we were introduced by these mutual friends and it was freaky for me. It was like meeting my lost soul sister. We have so much in common. It's frightening. She and I both moved to LA when we were 18 for five years. Nobody paid attention to us. She went to England. I did the exact same thing and signed with the same record label. The only person who would listen to us. Both of our moms are from Chattanooga, Tennessee. We both have tornado fetishes on and on. She went to my rival high school in Maryland. She's from there. It just bugged me out. If moving to LA and no one paying attention to you is all that it takes to have something in common with Tori Amos. Oh my God, soul sister. (laughs) She and I. Same. I visualize music. She visualizes music. Anyway, we met and we did remixes to Tallulah and Putting the Damage On. And she was like, Brian, these pieces of music mean so much to me. I want to sing on one of your songs. I love the last song on your album, Divinity. And I went through a whole thing with her about divinity and that it was originally named the Yoga of Divine Action, which was a writing by Deepak Chopra. I explained to her the essence of this writing and she totally connected with it. And also, too, we were both in this period of entrapment in need of self-liberation, if you know what I mean. We both were feeling trapped and needed a catalyst for transcendence, just a vehicle to get out of ourselves. And talking about this writing of Deepak's and talking about how we were feeling is what inspired the lyrics to Blue Skies. Whenever I listen to it, it's like this little girl. It's like somebody in their own kind of personal hell wishing for their personal nirvana. When she was recording the lyrics over Divinity, was it intended as being a vocal version of that particular song? No, it wasn't like Tori saying, I want to sing over this and let me see what I can come up with. And I was like, I'll take the music out and we'll make something new out of it. That is a cool way of doing things. There's all sorts of different ways of doing things when making music. Doing Blue Skies, I was like, give her something that's pre-existing. Let her vibe on it and have her get out what we had talked about. And then we come in and put my feeling in again. Had I written the music for the song before she sung the lyrics, I would never have written the same thing. But she wouldn't have written the same thing either if the two of us just sat down in a room. How did she go about writing the lyrics? Tori put the CD on and sang for 15 minutes over an unreleased version of Divinity and sent me the dat without ever even listening to it. There was a note attached to it that said, Brian, listen to this. And I took it and took literally every phrase and every breath and cut it into pieces to make a song out of it. She sang the words blue and sky next to each other one time in the whole thing. And I cut, glued, pasted, and made this thing that ebbed and flowed like a song. Was the end product anything that Tori had imagined it would be? I think it was absolutely nothing that she'd expected. In fact, when I sent her the dat, she called me immediately and was like, Did I sing this shit? Then she hung up and called back five minutes later saying, This shit is badass! She was tripping out because her voice was so edited up. That's what I'm talking about. That was a dope-ass performance, but taking technology and manipulating it like clay. God, Tori's so vulgar. (laughs) (laughs) This shit is badass. I love ass. Anyway, that was fun. God, they did seem to just vibe off each other. I wonder if they still talk today. He's got a lot of Instagram followers, so he should take on stage. Do you think they Skype? Yeah. I feel like it was an inspired moment for the two of them. And I agree with BT that if he had written a piece of music for her to sing over, she wouldn't have sung the same thing. And if she had, you know, if she had sat down to write her lyrics, because it seems like it was very improvisational in the moment. I feel like if she had sat down to write something with him, it probably wouldn't have been the same. It would be in the vault with the Stipe duet. It really is kind of a cool idea or a cool assignment, let's yeah. say, for someone of Tori's caliber with the ability to improvise and sort of like listen to something and reinterpret it to be like, listen to this, sing over it and show me what you got. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would love more of that. Mm-hmm. And truth be told, there's no harm in it. You know, she is very skilled at improvising from her piano bar days, but there is no harm in it because if she doesn't like it, she can do it again and send him what 
what she likes, you know? So I like that she didn't listen to it. She was like, it is what it is. Take it and go. Do you want to read this? This is from Seattle Pie on April 26, 2011. And this mm. is an interview with BT. Cut me a slice of that Seattle Pie. You can be the interviewer. All right. Clayton Perry. As I was going through your various liner notes, I've noticed that you've allowed very few vocalists to grace your tracks. You make a special note in the liner notes of Ima. However, when you say that Tori Amos provided vocals and fairy dust on Blue Skies, how do you go about determining the voices that you will approach and utilize in your musical work? And when you speak about fairy dust, what elements do you find to be innate in the voices that you deem to be the perfect complements to your tracks? That's a really astute observation, and you're right, too. Really, for me, the people that I like to work with that are singers are people that I can break bread for, are good people. They're people I want to hang out with, because life is short. There's a lot of singers out there whose voices I like, but there's a lot underneath the kind of technical components of what I do that is about intent. So I just like to work with people that are authentic. So I think the commonality between all the vocalists that I like to work with is whatever style they sing and whatever the sound of their voice and whatever their individual range, what they do is really authentic. We also have to share a similar sort of melodic sensibility. So yeah, more than anything, that's sort of a prerequisite. They're friends and they're people that I enjoy their company. Oh, no one wants to work with assholes. I know. Assholes are cheap today. <laughs> I agree. Nobody wants to work with assholes. Of course, you want to work with people that you're comfortable with. And I didn't realize that throughout BT's work, because I'm not necessarily a BT super fan, I never realized that he didn't work with that many vocalists. Nor did I. So congratulations, Tori. You made the cut. Yeah. And I think this kind of goes back to what we're saying earlier. During this era in particular, she was a really well-respected artist. And a lot of people from different genres wanted to work with her. Mm -hmm. I also think, I mean, he's very popular today. And I did dabble in the dance world as a young gay, but didn't really keep up with it beyond Tori. <laughs> like, meaning when she got out of it, I was getting out of it too. But she probably, I think, propelled him a little bit too, right? I think that maybe the collaboration, Johnny DeMiro says it should have been Tori featuring BT rather than BT featuring Tori because of their status at that time. Right. And I probably agree with that, that maybe she propelled him a little bit. He's built his own career. He's built his wonderful career and he's very, very popular. But at that time, maybe she was the more recognized name. Um, we loved interviewing Johnny D. DeMiro. You can hear that on the Professional Widow episode. Johnny D. DeMiro. Anyway, David, the quote section, done. Should we get into the line by line? I'm so ready. You ready for this line by line? Yep. Just so that we're clear, we're doing the line by line for the main version, which is five minutes and six seconds. It's the one that was on the Party of Five soundtrack. So let's hit it, David. <laughs> So <laughs> gasp, gasp, <laughs> gasp, hiccup. <laughs> the way we're going to do this, we're going to just address all of the lines and also come up with our own lines. Oh my God. How that? many versions are we going to have? We're going to just do this once, but we also have our own. Me and David each wrote out what we thought she was saying. So here we go. <laughs> That doesn't sound to me like Tori. That sounds to me like someone else. A different voice, yeah. It sounds like a different voice to you too? Yes. Be saying beautiful? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I don't want to reveal. Bum. I wrote Bum. down what I hear. So. What do you hear? This is the time. But we're the not line the, oh, by it is. line is when we do it. Okay. You go first. I wrote down beautiful. Oh, you did? I thought she said beautiful. Okay. I wrote down kill the Pope. 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 
You think she's saying kill the Pope? I, I didn't write down what I think she's saying. Oh, like well, if I hear. were just listening to it, that's what I hear. Yeah. Kill the Pope. Like obviously that's not what they're saying, but it could conceivably be kill the Pope. <laughs> Do we agree she's saying those blue skies in my head? Oh, yeah. Mm, the, did she say those? I hear, The first time I hear in my head. In my head? The rest of the song I think I hear over, but that particular time for whatever over reason my head? I hear like in my head. Blue skies in my head. Yeah. I always hear in my head. You hear over my head? Throughout the rest of the song, hmm. it sounds more like over to me. But here over at the beginning, head? yes. But here at the very beginning, it sounds like in. Mm, interesting. To me. It sounds like in my head to me the whole song. All right. right. All right, so Tori Amos fans for centuries have been trying to decipher these lyrics, and we have several different versions. We have, oh, come, come, it's marching, soldier socks. Then we have all the time clocks are marching, soldier socks. What do you have, David? I just have five clocks marching, soldier sucks. Soldier socks? Sucks. Sucks. Yeah. Five clocks marching, soldier sucks. Mm -hmm. I have bracket gibberish, unbracket, <laughs> soldier size. <laughs> soldier size. I like it. I like soldier size better. I was disturbed throughout this exercise. It's like every test I've ever taken in my life. I was sitting here silently and I looked over and you were writing frantically and i was like i'm done did i am wrong is my oh god what'd you get for number three 15 or 30 abraham lincoln i think that she is not necessarily speaking words in that first part but i always hear smashing not and like a version of smashing and smashing and marching like thurston howell like smar smashing lover kind of like smashing and mar and marching for smart smarching mm. Oh, oh, smarching, soldier size. Let's hear it again. I don't hear, I don't, there's something weird just about soldier socks that I don't think she's saying. I think she's saying soldier size. Maybe. Maybe, who knows? Maybe she's not saying anything at all. Probably. We need Paul Roy. Oh, man. What do you have, David? Let's go, let's go, let's go to this magic wonder show. I think I agree with you. I say, let's go, let's go, let's go to this magic wonder show. I had a friend back in the day with the AOL handle wonder show. Ooh, why not magic wonder show? Probably Too didn't long. fit. Eternal fat man. I know you don't want to end up with an eternal fat man debacle. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we can agree, and I think everybody agrees. I say, let's go, let's go, let's go to this magic wonder show. Another dispute, we have a version that says, and I'm walking and crawling and so tired, I'm insane. What do you got? I buzzed in with, and I'm walking in, crawling in, so turn around and sing. Oh, interesting. I like that. I buzzed in with, and I'm walking in, crawling in, totally insane. Let's listen again. Walking, 
have I, comma, I see. That's what's on line. I, 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 I see. What do you have? Same. I, 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 I see. I don't have that. You don't? No. I chose I say. Just because I know how she does when she's improvising. And there's a lot of saids and say. And I don't think it's see. I, I see. Blue sky. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Sounds Could be like anything. her. See, that's what I'm getting over now. Blue skies over my head. Oh, interesting. You should do opera. She warbled. I I wrote down blue skies, comma, O, comma, in my head. But the O, if she were doing the lyrics, if she were writing the lyrics, like this was her song, she was doing a booklet for it and writing uh-huh. the lyrics, I think she would write down blue skies in my head. And that the O is just a vocalization. But that's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Online it says blue skies are in my head. I don't know. Which obviously we disagree with. Yeah. Either way, she's got a lot of stuff in there. She's got room for blue skies, too. Do you hear that change at the end? Mm -hmm. Blue skies are up ahead. Mm. Do you agree? I didn't hear that, actually. Really? No. I believe she says blue skies are up ahead. I like it. So I will choose to believe that that is accurate. Bitch, what says it? I hear bitch what says it. What? Bitch what says it? Bitch what says it? You don't hear that? No. What do you hear? I hear kind of a, a slurred touch her it's easy. Bitch what says it? Touch her it's easy. Bitch what says it? Touch her it's easy. Bitch what says it? <laughs> Play it again. I agree with me still. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with either one of us. Online it's written, I can see soul, I can see in my lullabies, and also written, I can see so, I can sing him the lullabies. What do you got? Touch it's easy so I can see, so I can sing him my lullaby. Ooh, that's nice. Bitch what says it. <laughs> she was freestyling after all. I can see, so I can see my lullabies. I don't have sing him. I have see. I want to I can see my lullabies. But that makes no sense. She does visualize music just like BT. <laughs> right. Maybe it is sing him my lullabies. Let's listen again. Bitch what says it. I can see so. Upon second listening, I hear I can see soul. I hear soul. I guess she sings I can sing him my lullabies. Fine. Fine. She wins. Online it's written, just when she thinks they can see soul, I can see in my lullabies. And it's also written online, just when she sings, I can see so, I can sing him the lullabies. What do you got? Just when she sings Vikram Street, so I can sing him my lullaby. Just when she sings what? Just when she sings Vikram Street, so I can sing him my lullaby. 
I don't even know what Vikram Street I is. I don't either. I have Just When She Sings, I Can See So, I Can See My Lullabies. Again, I didn't think she was saying sing lullabies because I don't hear that. Ng. I just see the singing. Ng. So what about this next part? You can go just where she's going. You can go just where she's going? Yeah. I think that's universally accepted. <laughs> It might be the only line we're all clear on. Do we think that inspired the end of the Waitress Plugged? <gasps> Interesting. You think so? I don't know. Could be. Has Waitress Plugged always been a Waitress Plugged Blue Skies mashup and we this, just never realized it? This whole time. Oh my God. Oh my God. Blown open. You heard it here first and only. Hang 10. Get on the boat. <laughs> Blue Skies times four. So we have the chorus again. How does that chorus make you feel? It is very catchy. Did you eventually, I know that you you said you were a Tory purist. Did you eventually grow to like this song? I do like it, yeah. It makes yeah. me feel expansive, to go back to your original question. The chorus makes me feel expansive. Really? Yeah. Like you're lifting off? Yeah, kind of shooting out into the sky mm -hmm. like you're one of those air trails at the end of a jet i picture myself more like i'm being shot out of a cannon mm. but yeah have you ever hang glided or done anything like that no no would you i get scared on ski lifts so i'm probably not going to be hang gliding anytime soon hmm. i saw this video the other day of a man who was <laughs> parasailing or hang gliding and his instruct with his with his instructor and his instructor didn't harness him onto the parasail or See? the hang glide and he spent the entire three minute flight hanging on for dear life oh onto i've seen the instructor. it i know what you're talking about yeah horrifying i'm breaking out in a cold sweat just hearing you tell me about it even though i've seen it before <laughs> blue skies no thank you are up ahead <laughs> <laughs> but also as a palate cleanser there's a youtube video of a cat who stowed away on an airplane oh. who's just like hanging out on the wing adorable yeah the whole flight uh-huh well i don't think it's that long but yeah oh. for a pretty long time <laughs> That'd be intense if the cat... But yeah, could... for the whole flight. The cat doesn't go, like, sucked out into space. I'm shocked that the cat wasn't like, what is happening with my ears? And jumps off into nothing. Oh, God. Horrifying. Into the abyss. Sid. Sid. So... Every site agrees it's need a little joy, need a little joy, need a little joy, and I had a baby boy. What do you think? I'm I'm with you. I'm with them. I'm with the internet or whoever. Need a little joy, need a little joy. But then things get a little more controversial for me. What do you have? I'm sorry. Again, I'm just writing down what I hear. You don't hear and I had a baby boy? Oh, I do. But before that, oh. I hear need a little Jew boy. <laughs> oh my God. God. <laughs> Do you think she sings Need a Little Jew I'm Boy? I'm sorry. It sounds like that's what it sounds like to me. No, I know I don't think that's what she's saying, but that was not the assignment. The assignment was write down what I hear. I might not have vocalized the assignment correctly. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I heard what I wanted to hear. <laughs> Need a little joy sometimes, said. Mm -hmm. Do you got that? Yeah. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Need a little joy. Need 
Needle Joy got my baby boy, got my blue skies. She's belting it now. You can picture her in that sound check with her dat fired up. Needle Joy. The visualization to me of her being in like jeans and a t-shirt singing this with nobody in the in the auditorium, just like them kind of tracking it. I picture Usher sweeping up popcorn. Do you think she was posed towards her piano, facing her piano, singing into the mic as it was stationed? Or do you think she pulled the mic off the clip and held it? I think she was pointing towards her piano. Really? I think she's bracing herself, lifting under the keyboard like she does live sometimes. Like we pointed out when we did our live commentary for the Tampa show. Yeah, I think you're right. I think at one point she goes wild and like grabs the mic or like how she would do at the end of Waitress. He just grabs it. Totally. Maybe it is a mashup. The house lights are on. The crew yeah. is just like wandering around the stage, right. setting up, like That's casting sideways glances. And they're like, oh God, Because the house down. lights are up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what's weird to me. Well, that was our most interesting line by line so far. It was our most thorough Blue Skies episode ever. What's your favorite lyrical moment? I like the turn, as you pointed out, of Blue Skies are up ahead. Even Me if too. that's not what she's actually saying. I but. feel, yeah, like there's something really positive about that. Blue Skies in my head, but then Blue Skies are up ahead. It just makes me feel good. It mm-hmm. makes me feel like, okay, we're going to get through this. I agree, especially in the context of the era in which this song emerged. Mm-hmm. I think she obviously was working through something. Mm-hmm. So I think she was sort of feeling like she was finally on the other side of it. And she meant this when she said it, that blue yeah. skies were up ahead. So Yeah, because by now, yeah, like a lot of things are starting to go right in her life, maybe a little bit better. Yeah, blue skies are up ahead. I also like need a little joy. I just love the way she says that. that so favorite vocal performance? What's your favorite vocal moment? When she really goes for it at the end with need a little joy. Yeah. Need a little joy sounds high. Yeah, that's a good part. Got my baby boy. Got my baby boy. Yeah, so that's my favorite as well. Now, I want to say if BT really spliced together every single time she says blue skies, and I've also heard a variation of that, which is that she didn't ever say blue skies. But I want to congratulate him. If he really spliced them all together, she says blue skies like dozens of times in this song. So if he spliced that together, which she seems to have done, uh-huh. I'm not calling him a liar. I know. And if she really never said the word skies and he just pieced that together, congratulations, BT. You're a genius and you deserve every Instagram follower that you got. You tricked us all. <laughs> I guess now we have to take a listen to a remix. Let's do the rabbit in the moon one. All right. Okay. Your fave. Thank you.
Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And on the line, I have Coy Berry. He's a writer and musician out of Baltimore, Maryland. He's not quite a super fan of Blue Skies, but he's a deluxe fan. Hi, Coy. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm glad to have you on the show. Oh, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> Coy has shared with me that he believes there is a little dissension in the Tori Amos community surrounding this song. He thinks that not everybody loves the song as much as they should. And he's here to defend Blue Sky's honor, and I'm glad to have you do so. <laughs> First, tell me how you discovered Tori Amos. Uh, so in, I guess, junior high, high school, my best friend at that age was a major Tori Amos fan. And we used to get in very heated debates about whether or not that fandom was justified. Because I was, <laughs> I was very into pop and R&B and classical music that I listened to because I like, took piano lessons. And... That was basically, like, my entire, like, world. So I was a lot of, like, Mariah Carey, a lot of Destiny's Child, you know, that Madonna, like, things of that ilk. And I kind of looked at everything that was going on in, like, the alt world, like, Tori Amos, Bjork, like, that whole thing is just being sort of, like, pretentious for pretentious sake. And, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need it. It's, it's weird. It's, you know, like... I hate artists. <laughs> Right, basically, yeah. Um, and I mean, now you know, Tori Amos, uh, Bjork are like two of my three favorite artists. You know, PJ Harvey being the third on the Pantheon. So obviously, I came around. Um, but it was the second semester, or maybe the summer, when we graduated. And I had I had started listening to Bjork, and so I think my friend knew that my shields were down. Um, and so we were over at her house one day and she put on the Tori Amos video collection and like music videos have always been the quickest way to my heart like I love a good music video and so by the end of watching that collection and I think at that point I had already seen the Strange Little Girls video on my own I was kind of like I do like this song I'm still not sure about this woman but I like this song <laughs> and then she showed me the video collection by the end of that collection I was I think the Raspberry Swirl video is what pushed me over the edge. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been a fan ever since. I think you were an, either a Raspberry Swirl gay or you were a, like a Silent All These Years gay. You're either a purist yeah. or you're like ready for the experimental stuff. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so you loved the videos and you loved Raspberry Swirl in particular, which was one of the more dancey tracks. Um, take us to your love of Blue Skies. So I think the first time I heard Blue Skies, I know I was definitely in college. I think it was my freshman year because I started really getting into my Tori Amos fandom summer after senior year of high school. So in college, it was still fresh and I was still in that like exploratory period trying to play catch up in a way. Because I mean, Tori is so prolific. And by the time I was a fan, it was, after Strange Little Girls and before Scarlet's Walk. And so there were all of these B-sides and remixes and live performances and all this that I had never heard before. It was all new to me. And I tend to be all or nothing with the fandom. Like, I either love an artist so much that I want to hear everything they've ever done, or it's like, I like this one single and I truly don't want to hear anything else by them. <laughs> and so I, I had crossed into that threshold with Tori where it was like I was spending a lot of time in my dorm room on Here in My Head I think was the site that had a lot of MP3s yeah. in, the, in one of the sections and so just like downloading everything that looked like a, a title I hadn't heard before and I think Blue Skies was in that batch <laughs> R.I.P. Here in My Head I miss that site it was a great site it was a great site Audrey Romano bring it back 
Um, <laughs> so you heard Blue Skies, you downloaded it, and what about it drew you in? I was very, at that time, the everything that we used to in the late 90s and early 2000s lump into the, the box of electronica, like house, trance, all of the like sample-based stuff like that Moby was doing and all of that. And then obviously like Bjork herself, like I, which I feel like is her own category. So all of that was very appealing to me because I think that having spent so much time on the pop and R&B side of things and like dabbling a little bit with like hip hop and stuff when like Missy Elliott came out, the digital side of it was really, really fascinating to me that like, I would be listening to these songs and be like, how did they, how did they make these sounds? How did they think to make these sounds? And so hearing Tori Amos go full tilt over that kind of a track, because I mean, Choir Girl has moments like that. And I think the Choir Girl brilliance is it ability to blend those two worlds together, the the, the acoustic and the, the digital. But to hear her over a, a purely synthetic track, to hear her over a, you know, like, what is essentially, I don't even know if you wouldn't call it a house song, I guess it doesn't really have a house beat, but, you know, it has that very late 90s electro feel to it. And yeah. that was the thing that I was, it was just like, oh, like two great tastes. You know, that tastes right. great together. Everything I ever wanted, you know? <laughs> it's because she, like, has that beautiful voice that kind of soars, you know, and it does have a yeah. way of just taking you to a different place. Yeah, and especially during that era, like the, the Boys for Pele era, the way that she sang then was, like, she never really sang that way again mm-hmm. afterward, where there was this kind of, like, soaring, like you said, but also this, this kind of un, uncaged quality to it, yeah. where you were just letting her voice swoop and, and drop and growl and, and, and yeah. all of these other things. And it was guttural in a way that, you know. Yeah, she could go from a shriek to a growl in like an instant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that you reminded me that everything used to be lumped in as electronica from Kraftwerk yeah. to like Bjork. All of it, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's much more nuanced now, but kind of it's lost its charm of like electronica. Right. <laughs> so Blue Skies, looking back on it, it's been, you know, 20, what, 23 years now. Yeah. Where do you think it holds up in the canon or where do you, how do you think it holds up in her catalog? I think surprisingly well. I think that the sound of it isn't as aggressively dated to me as you would expect. I mean, it is very, I don't know that you'd listen to it and not place it in you know, an early 2000s, late 90s era. Like, I don't know that you'd listen to it now and think that this was something that just came out. Right. But at the same time, it's not something that you listen to and you go, in the same way that if you listen to an artist that I adore with my whole heart, but if you listen to Kate Bush's earlier stuff, and you go, okay, this woman is a genius. She's also working with equipment that was made in 1984. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, two, there's no two ways about mm-hmm. that. And with Blue Skies, I feel like the sound of it, like the quality of the sound of it has held a lot stronger than, I think has held as well as a lot of the stuff from her own catalog at that era. Like, I think it's surprising how well a song like Cotillite Sneeze holds up. Yeah. Because it has that very, that 90s industrial sound to it, but it's blended with the harpsichord and the piano and the backing vocals, the sort of soaring high pitch. Like there's, there's enough going on around that that's harder to pin down that keeps it from sounding like, oh, this was 
clearly done in 1996 you know <laughs> i feel yeah like if you look at blue skies there's such a the quality of it as you said really does hold up against like if you look at tear in your hand you can definitely hear that's a 90s sound happy phantom or you know something Absolutely. like that yeah. lights needs yeah. it's an anomaly as well because you do have that kind of program drum beat but there is something so ethereal about it that you can't quite place it in the 90s yeah but i remember hearing <laughs> tear in your hand like five years ago thinking like oh my god it suddenly sounded so dated to me suddenly whereas blue yeah. skies we're really going <laughs> into it now and i don't feel i feel like it's still very catchy and it's still very crisp and it's yeah i love it it's wild to me because like i i think i'm an outlier in the fandom where because my intro into her work was strange little girls the same and then backtracking to Choir Girl and then Pele. So by the time I got to Little Earthquakes, Little Earthquakes was jarring to me because I was like, mm. this sounds like it was made in the 80s. And, <laughs> and it wasn't because, obviously not because I had any issue with the songwriting. I thought the songwriting was great as it is. But listening to it and being like, I really wish she had done this album like four years later. So I, I, don't, I don't get that feeling with the Blue Skies. Yeah, I definitely am, I can see like working backwards how you might be like, where's the drums? Where's where's, where's the where's the Kurtzweil? <laughs> Why do you suppose that some fans hate Blue Skies and hate the dance era? I think maybe I wonder how many of them are are because they're coming at it from the other way, where it's sort of like to go from earthquakes to uh, under the pink to Pele and sort of you know conceding that things are getting a little more complex and there's more you know there's beats and stuff coming in but it's still very it's natural it's a lot more natural like when you're going forward yeah yeah and it's still stuff that she can get up on a stage and perform on her own like there's no way she's going to get up and do blues guys oh well maybe nowadays because she uses you know backing tracks and stuff but like when she was touring Pele, like she wasn't just gonna like turn over on the harpsichord and and just do it. like she you know shouted it out in a couple performances, but to actually like full on do the song would have mm-hmm. been impossible, you know, with her setup. I also think people have a, people who are into singer songwriter stuff as a as a whole. I think beyond just Tory fans, like. I feel like there's always this pushback against anything that feels too produced, I feel like is the, the term people always use, like mm-hmm. this idea that like, if you're putting this much time and energy into the production, you must be sacrificing authenticity in the songwriting, that it's impossible to have both, which I think is unfair, because I think that plenty of artists do both. You know, I think Tori herself has done both, you know, many times, you know. You're a musician as well. How do you approach your work? <laughs> Uh, I, for me, it's, you know, whatever I can manage to get done. Cause I, <laughs> I um, like I any good from, artist. Like, right. <laughs> I grew up playing classical piano, like solo piano, um, you know, recitals and fine arts competitions and stuff like that, like memorizing pieces and then performing them. And when I got the urge to write songs, a big part of that was hearing what was going on in the erstwhile electronica. And so hearing what was possible really kind of made me want to be more creative and less just learning and regurgitating. So for me now, a lot of the music I've put out into the world has been just me and a piano, but I've also, like I have an old SoundCloud that I haven't updated in years, but like there's there's some more beat-driven stuff on there, and I love working with loops and synthesizers and effects on my vocals and stuff like that as much as I love just sitting at a piano, you know, 
me and, and my voice and my fingers and seeing what I can make happen. Like, to me, it's, it's all fair game. You all should check out Koi Berry's EP, The Living Room. You can find that at Koi, that's K-O-Y-E, Berry, like what you swirl, .bandcamp.com, <laughs> and you'll see The Living Room EP and purchase that now. Koi, would you call Blue Skies your signature song? Signature? No. Um, <laughs> it is a song that, like, I think for the last, like, five years running, every time I've put a driving playlist together in the summertime, Blue Skies has been on it. I love that song so much because it's on a very short list of songs that whatever sort of awful mood I'm in, it's, it's like mood plus seven. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree with you. Blue Skies, I will put that on any playlist. Koi, thank you so much for being on our show. Is there a Twitter? Do you have a Twitter where people can follow you? Yeah, it's at Boy and Piano. All one word. At boy and piano. Koi, thank you for being on our show, and we'll talk again. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Bye. gentlemen guess who we have on the line we have alexander leger small he is a 90s dance music aficionado the biggest dancing queen i know ha and tall and by biggest i mean tall hi alexander hello welcome back to our show how long has it been since you've been on our show uh last episode i think was toodles right so that was like five months ago oh yeah it's been a while um, yeah, we have to clear up. Are you are you livid with the podcast because we haven't sent you your your winning gift from Wait Wait Don't Tour Me? <laughs> I actually thought about this because this is how much time I spend thinking about you guys. Um, <laughs> I'll just rack them up. I'll keep winning things, okay. and then you can send me a whole packet. And then we'll just everything. save on shipping. Great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's I'm what we were planning to. Thank you. <laughs> Um, as a dancing queen and as a 90s dance music aficionado, give us some pointers about being gay into electronica in the 90s. What do I have to wear? What do I have to do? Tell me everything. Well, if, if you're following my mold, it is 1997 and you have just returned from Pacific Sunwear at your local mall. <laughs> Love it. And have bought the widest pair of Jenkos that you possibly could. Mm. Uh, we're talking like 45-inch openings, so it looks like I'm wearing some kind of riding skirt. <laughs> um, and then uh, 
dye your hair blue, pink, green, what have you, and okay. cover yourself in uh, beaded bracelets and glitter. Oh, okay. And you've, you've got my 90s dance music look down pat. Obsessed. Would you, were, if you'd lived in New York City, would you have been a club kid? I dream of it still to this day. Oh. It's one of like, you know, people have eras that they want to go back to in mm-hmm. time. I want like early 80s, early 90s New York. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Do you know the DJ Matteo Sagatti was a club kid? I can believe it. He's yeah. gorgeous enough for oh, it. No, DJ Mateo. Okay, so you've got your giant legged pants, your body glitter, your hair in any punky color of the week. What music are you listening to? If we're going back in time, take us to your disc man. What are you spinning? <laughs> so obviously at this point, I have a really firm love of Tori, but I'm trying to gain that... Uh, independence that we're all desperate for as teenagers and as a gay teenager. And Tori for me was very much connected to my mother and to my sister. So I needed to find something else and house music and dance music in general was that. So Tori is like heavily still in my little disc man flip book that you carry around Mm -hmm. with your disc man. Uh, But I've also got like DJ Venom, happy hardcore, DJ Humpty Vision, huge fan. Uh, D-Light, which most people mm. know for their hit Groove is in the Heart, but their later records are wonderful Incredible. and trancy. Dew Drops in the Garden. Yes! Love yes, it. I love it. Yeah. Of course you know. Of course you know. So really anything with like a four-on-the-floor beat, uh, I was really obsessed with remixes, like loved a maxi single format where I could get <laughs> a pop song from the radio with and six remixes to go along yeah. with it. And, and it still, it breaks my heart that we've lost that in the record industry. Like, I agree. I, I will give you $10 whenever you put something out, right. Tori. Right. Come on. I'm trying to organize a campaign. This is neither here nor there. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, I want it to be a concentrated campaign. I'm trying to organize us all to spend $500 to purchase all 27 legs and boots, but I want us to do it all on the same day. And then I want to tell Spoon, tomorrow we're all going to buy the legs and boots. If you promise, if we make like $10,000 in one shot, will you release like some live disc? From the past, we'll see. But that's, I want more than one live disc from that. But yeah, I, love I want the like idea. a '96 collection. I want the ten best. Yes. Oh my god. So it's 1997. You've got your flip book. Most important question first: Do you have the booklets in the flip book wallet with the disc, or is it just the disc? Yes, I do. Good. Yes. <laughs> Good call. Because you need all that information, especially if you're sharing with a friend who like doesn't know the album. You need to be able to like here's the lyrics. the lyrics. And, yeah. And the art. Yeah. L- lyrics, the, the art, and also, like, you want to sit there and, like, you want you want Halcyon and on and on, and you want to read the hacker soundtrack credits. You want it. <laughs> telling <laughs> I you. I do. The train spotting credits. Yeah. The CD <laughs> went everywhere with me. A hundred percent. Now, take us to your favorite moment or the moment that defines you, your first moment on the dance floor. The moment that defines you is, like, holy shit, this is, this is where I want to be. I've broken out of my... I'm out from under her wing, and I'm here on the floor. Take us to that moment. So it's not even on the dance floor. Uh, This is a much larger story, but when I was in high school, I went to a performing arts school, and they were really permissive, and 
my freshman year, I decided I wanted to be a drag queen, and the school gave me money to put on a drag show. What? And it, we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> there was a moment at the end of the first night of the show where we had all the queens out on stage, and my best friend and I had created uh, like soundtracks, like house music, just to play in the background, and we had used Professional Widow. And I'm there under the lights, surrounded by my friends, hundreds of people cheering at me, a uh, 15-year-old in a uh, Deb dress, and Tori's playing, and it's perfect. It's everything I wanted to be in that moment, and kind of still everything I want to be. That is transcendent. I feel like I'm there. That sounds amazing. It sounds like a, a rebirth. It really was. It was a birth into the identity that I knew was brewing underneath, and that's when it manifested. Where does Blue Skies fit into into your your re, your reshaping? So as I'm exploring and learning more about myself and learning more about music outside of just my parents' taste, which had been very folk and singer-songwriter oriented, you know, Tori was still so important to me. She was everything to me, but I needed a way to hold on to her in the new context of my musical expression. And Mm -hmm. so I had Napster, of course, Mm -hmm. and I cannot remember for the life of me where I heard of Blue Skies. Like, it must have been on the Dent or or another Tory website that I was trawling. And I, like, searched for it, and it came, and 10 hours later it was downloaded, (laughs) and I could listen to it. And it was everything. It was... It was weirder than Professional Widow. It was more indie and challenging than the In the Springtime of His Voodoo remixes. It was cool, and it was Tori being cool in a way that was super present for me in that moment. He was ticking all of the boxes of the things that I wanted to be. Well said. I've been thinking a lot about this because, you know, we're doing this episode and I thought, why is it that the dance era resonated so much with me, the Tory dance era? It's because, you know, I, when I, I discovered her when I was in my early teens and it just kind of, I felt maybe that as she was breaking out of her comfort zone and her shell and trying new things, and it was right at the time that I was trying to do the same. Mm-hmm. That's why these remixes and not only Pro Widow, obviously, and things like that, but definitely Blue Skies being so unique to anything else that she had put out up to that point is I think that's why it just stuck with me and I loved it from the beginning and I wanted more of it I loved all the remixes I wanted them all and I wanted more even beyond that like all of the raspberry swirl mixes were just like just a taste I wanted more I wanted more I still want more I completely agree the raspberry swirl the shady feline Mm -hmm. is is that raspberry or is that cruel Cruel. there's a cruel remix on there too isn't there I might my favorite uh-huh. raspberry swirl is Scarlet Spectrum Feels, where you can just go for like 10 minutes and you're just like in, in the Seriously. zone. Yeah. And that like that's a little predecessor to like Detura and Zero Point later. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just kind of her going on her sonic jam. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I haven't really made that connection until right now. Well, definitely. Yeah, I definitely think that Blue Skies, you know, I made a case earlier in the episode, which you haven't heard yet, but you will, that Blue Skies was a pivotal moment for her where she began to chase that new sound because pro widow you know it was remixed you know she didn't participate in that but when bt was like hey give me some vocals and you know that's when she actively started to like oh this is a new interesting thing that i can or a new interesting genre that i can create 
in. I think this was a big moment, and and then and then hearing it was influential on her later on her next two albums, definitely. God. Absolutely, and I think it. I think you're totally right about it being a moment where she's stretching herself, mm-hmm. and she talks about it. I think in the EPK for Choir Girl, where she's like, "I had made this deal with the piano, and now like." The piano's got to talk for a little while, so we're going to see how we can work with other people. And that's very clear through this. And I think you can see the same thing happening on Siren, which has a really electronic feel to it, even though it's not a dance track like Blue Skies is. Right. And two, also, she, you know, starting with an acoustic piano, just her and the piano and going, adding slowly other instrumentations and adding other musicians and finally going into this dance world, I felt like we were growing up together. Like, it was such a natural progression. I felt like, ah, we're getting older and we're wild. We are. We're wild. We're wild. I've even built the show. You know, I was so obsessed with the dance era that, like, for the last two years we've been playing dance remixes at the end of every episode because I can't not like these are moments that I loved the fan remixes yeah, everything please don't stop that I'll never stop I love can't it. stop won't stop yes please <laughs> Alexander Leger Small this has been a delight you all must stop what you're doing right now and head over to Instagram and follow Alexander Leger Small L-E-G-E-R-S-M-A-L-L not only is he gorgeous, but he's got great taste in music. You can see Bartlett also on his Instagram, his little dog. Um, anything else you want to say about Blue Skies or the 90s dance craze? I would just say, not about Blue Skies, but about 90s dance music. I think that, you know, we're seeing such a 90s revival right now, but it's not the, like, piano house that I want. Just give me give me a hi-hat and right. some housey organ and a female yes. vocalist. Yeah. And you can have all <laughs> right. of my money. Right. A female soprano. Yes. <laughs> yes. Alexander, this has been fun as always. We're going to talk again, I'm sure, in the choir girl season. Yes. Say goodbye to Pele. Bye, Pele. I'll miss you. Pele's in our rear view. Bye, Pele. Bye, Alexander. Bye, Ethan. Bye. Bye. <laughs> A fathomless blue. A fathomless blue. A fathomless blue. For blue, there are no boundaries.
Weren't those great interviews? Some of the best. Thanks to everybody for being on the show. Koi, Alexander Leger Small, we'll talk to you again. Koi Berry. Should we hit the live section? Hit it. All right. Well, in 1996, guess how many times the song has been performed live? Let's start there. Not really ever. <laughs> Half. Is my ish. guess. On October 18th, 1996, Tori Amos performed Butterfly with a little bit of Hyper Ballad by Bjork and Blue Skies. As well. Mm-hmm. You want to hear it? Yes. I guess we have to. time she really brought it to the stage bring it tori what do you think bring it back why do it she brought professional widow the remix to the stage a few times at the festivals in 98 right yeah where she was singing honey bring it close to my lips honey bring it close to my 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 lips yeah that's it so only one time i'm surprised she didn't play it more i'm not i think she probably feels like this is a gift that she gave someone else and oh, that would be like asking for it back you think? Yeah, kind of. I would play it maybe in between acts, like after the opening act, and then have it pumping on the house mix or to like promote after, that. What about after Santa finished her set, if we got like a little Blue Skies <gasps> before Tori came out? If any doll had to do this, who would do it? Santa. <laughs> this Probably. is a Santa track. I think so, too. Yeah. Secret Spell into Blue Skies. Oh, that would I be... I think that might actually work. That might actually work. Into Raspberry Swirl. Yeah. As she like twirls around the stage. Swirl. Little girl. Yep. And to address something that we mentioned earlier, BT did remix Putting the Damage On. But as far as I know, we've never heard it. Have you ever heard it? It's lost to time. It's lost to time. Or in the vault, in Tori's vault somewhere. What do you think the remix was called? 
putting the damage on BT's Synstasia dub. Probably. <laughs> glue stuck to your ears mix. The stuck in glue remix. Your late show. The late show mix. Oh, oh I like it. BT's late show. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> what it should be called. BT's late show BT's remix. late wonder show. Oh my God. I love it. fun and unique a unique episode certainly um we're getting closer and closer to choir girl david you ready for it i can feel her she's warming up she's, she's doing her vocal up. exercises i know we will be taking a little break after our boys for paley wrap-up part two before our choir girl primer so just know that that is happening because we got to get our ducks in a row david mm-hmm we got to get our ducks in a row in order to make sure we have all the quotes and all the live performances that we want to play. we got to get into our, our choir girl season. It'll be like back to school. You need a little break before you go back to school. Yeah, you won't even notice we're gone, though. Just a tiny little break. We've been releasing every Monday this year. It's incredible. And every weekday this year, if you count our Never Shut oh, Up man. show. Oh, man, and you should. Which you should be listening to. If you're not listening to Never Shut Up, head over to Never Shut Up, where we're doing Today in History, where every day we talk about what happened today in Tory history. And that's thanks to Ken Rosen from the Bruce Springsteen fandom who we stole that directly from. Unlike Tori, we like to admit we're inspired by other people. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, it's over. We'll never hit blue skies again. It's not over. We have blue skies up ahead. Well, if only it were that way. <laughs> we have landslide up ahead, David. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer, isn't it? Uh, Thank you for listening. If you like what we do, please head over to songsoftoryamus.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter. Follow us on our social at Songs of Tori Amos across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But if you really like what we do, please head over to patreon.com slash songsoftoryamus where you can become a supporter today. Any supporter at any level gets their own supporter page, which is like a Tory singles page. You can like try to impress all the other Tory gays. Just be like, oh, look at my pictures with Tori and look at what my signature song is if you want to do such things. <laughs> um, but that's patreon.com slash songs of Tori Amos to become a supporter. We also have Tour All Year, which is for Patreon supporters at the $5 level and up and Drive All Night Plus where we're redoing Little Earthquakes for the $10 supporters and up. So head over to patreon.com slash songs of Tori Amos today. Anything you got to say, David? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why you look so sad? I'm worn out. I thought you had blue skies up ahead. I'm worn I out you from were... all that transcribing. I feel like a court reporter taking down the ramblings of an insane person. <laughs> I mean, kind of, basically. <laughs> well, again, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon with Landslide. Soon. Bye. Bye.
Drive All Night is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned in this episode, please visit us online at songsoftoryamus.com.